Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 176 of the podcast. It's the 15th of May, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Tara Soto Register about her family's journey from school to unschooling. We dive into how she discovered unschooling, her son's transition from school to coming home, what surprised her along the way, her new podcast, and lots more. As a personal update, conversations around here this week have woven through the fantasy genre, the ins and outs of world building, uh, low Earth orbit satellites today, plumbing, barking dogs, reformatting computers, plans to visit a relatively nearby dark sky preserve, the weather, oh yes, the weather, and I am sure lots, lots more. <laughs> Uh, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Lucia Silva. Hi, Lucia. I hope I pronounced your name right. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's get to my conversation with Tara. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Tara Soda Register. Hi, Tara. Hi, how are you? I am very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just to let you guys know, I connected with Tara recently when she asked me to be a guest on her new podcast, A Mother's Intuition. And I really enjoyed answering your questions and our conversation. And I'm excited this time around to actually hear more about her unschooling story. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, it's so interesting to be on the other side now. Now I get to feel <laughs> right? what everybody else got to feel. <laughs> um, we are a family of four. It's me, Tara. Uh, my husband, Mark, which his nickname is Turf and pretty much doesn't go by anything else. Like turf? So yes, Turf, like <laughs> AstroTurf. Um, and then we have our son, Dominic, is eight. And uh, we have a daughter, Eve, who is five, about to be six. My husband and I will have been married 10 years tomorrow and together 15. Sweet. And oh, we live in Pennsylvania, um, in Chester County. And what else would you like to know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that leads us very nicely into the next question, which is, how you discovered unschooling and and how you decided that that was a place that you'd like to go. Oh, okay. So unschooling for us, I had talked to Pam about this ahead of time. Um, We 
did not find unschooling in the way that I feel like a lot of people may have. Unschooling kind of came to us in a traumatic way. Um, so with unschooling, actually, I'd never heard of it. I mean, sure, we'd heard of homeschooling. I knew one other homeschooler. When I, I actually worked in the education field and uh, worked with children with cerebral palsy and was really comfortable in the school world. And then fast forward to when I got pregnant with my own children, when I got pregnant with my son, Dominic, it was almost um, immediate that I became depressed. And I, the pregnancy was, I mean, I got, was sick from the beginning to end. So that was already a mental thing. Yeah. And I swore that, you know, once you would get unpregnant, that you wouldn't be depressed anymore. Well, that didn't happen. Okay. And um, I was actually detached from my, from Dominic. Um, I was really good at covering it up. Super good, actually. Um, I didn't, nobody, somehow nobody even noticed. I didn't even really hold him in the uh, delivery room. I was just that good at being, oh, you hold him or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so then, I know this is like major history, but so it wasn't until two and a half years later that I had Eve, but in that, pretty much for majority of that time, I was depressed, even though I kept a good Stepford wife face on the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband could see it because, you know, we're best friends, so he could figure that out. But um, I still went on and wanted to have another child close in age so they wouldn't be alone. And um, so two and a half years later, I had Eve, completely different pregnancy. It was like I wasn't even pregnant. I never felt her move. But this baby, I, you know, when she was born, I touched. And so we move into the preschool years with Dominic. And um, he screamed almost every day going into preschool. Yeah. I mean, we were the people that were dragging in and then like distracting. And then they would tell me, they'd be like, he made through 50% of today, of half the day. Um, he, he was just, he was a live wire. And um, you couldn't know where his moods were coming from. They were very, um, you'd think that you'd be in a great position because like there's cupcakes and kids. And out of nowhere, he would fall apart or throw a chair or um, somebody would walk in the room and he would tell me that we have, you know, we have to evacuate. We have to leave right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the preschool, the people who worked at the preschool is super small, were always so super supportive. I mean, they were like over the moon supportive and, and you know, there's only like eight of them. So mm-hmm. um, we get to kindergarten and we didn't make two weeks in kindergarten, mm-hmm. not two weeks. He started um, jump, trying to jump out the window. He escaped almost every, every, um, he almost escaped every day several times and just book it for the road. I mean, wow. he, was, he, was, he was getting out. And it got, on my end, you know, I was ticking off the days till he could go to kindergarten 
because I was exhausted mm-hmm. and um, and I was sad and I was depressed and um, even though I was playing the mom and you know crying in the shower, I wasn't keeping it away. I noticed that he started to take my thoughts out of my like my brain. If I was sitting there talking to him and I was falling apart mentally, he started repeating the exact words that were going on in my head, which concerned me. Yeah. So, um, and so we, everything just came to a head. We couldn't keep him in school and we took him out. And at this point, right before we took him out of school, he became suicidal at five and we didn't, we didn't have any traumatic, um, we didn't have any traumatic that I knew of situations that happened within the family it, with him. Um, we couldn't pinpoint it. We started taking him to therapies and this, that, and the other thing. But we kept kidding. This is too severe for us and we don't know what's going on. Wow. Um, we went in for IEP meeting or uh you know, where they go and look at them before you go to the IEP meeting. And I noticed we drove up to the school and he said, why are we here? And um, so I said, oh, I just got to meet a friend. You're a liar. He, he, can, he, he tells adults all the time that they were liars when they're yeah. lying. Um, and I said, it's okay. We'll be fine. It's just a minute. We're going to bring, we're just going to go play for a little bit. And I somehow convinced him in. And when we walked into this middle school, I noticed he kept touching the walls. And when he would touch them, he'd pull his hand back like he was being burned. And he said, this is not, um, we have to get out of here. We have to get out of here. And that testing that he ended up doing with the, uh, the psychologist, and when I went in, I said, they have to understand the magnitude of what they're getting into here. So I'm going to pull back and not do, so they can see. Yeah. Um, I mean, he destroyed an office. He ran out and, you know, the doors in the school are locked. And so he's ripping at the doors and he's just falling apart and the whole, he's laying in the hallway going, you have to kill me. You have to kill me. And, um, and so this is what was going on with us every day. Um, so how I found now, now we're, now we did the history. So now <laughs> the unschooling. That's good. That, that's so hard. Thank you so much for, for sharing that because I'm sure he, I know I can, I can feel some connections too. you know, we are also having yeah. a very hard time with our, our eldest in school, et cetera. But uh, I, I mean, I, I love that you could see how he was picking up your energies as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you were taking him seriously. You were trying to, you know, help, help him in the ways that you knew at the time. So now I'm excited to see how unschooling came into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and schooling, I pretty much hit the bottom. Yeah. Tara was at the bottom of the barrel and I had to leave. I had, I had, that's kind of my natural good instinct that I'm trying to change is that I'm a, I'm a runner. 
Mm -hmm. uh, AKA, there we go. While my son's a runner. So I said, I have to go. I have to go somewhere. So I get in the car at 3 a.m. and I'm going to New York. I'm just, I'm going. And I happened to call a friend um, who, I, at this point, I've told nobody. I've mm-hmm. told nobody because I can, I've realized that whatever I was feeling or people were feeling, and, you know, part of me was thinking I was going crazy too. Yeah. He could pick up on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to like tell people and then them expect it when we walked into social situations and then it get blown even further out of proportion. Yeah. So it was like really in the box. Plus I didn't want people thinking I was nuts. Um, so I'm in the car, it's 3 a.m. And I call my friend and I tell her as much as I can tell her. And I tell her, but I, it's very little. And I say, we're, we're probably going to, we're going to homeschool. And she goes, whatever you do, just don't unschool. And I was like, no, 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 I'd never do that. I, in my head, I, you know, it's like 3 a.m. So you're like, I don't feel like talking about it, but I have yeah, no idea what that is. Being agreeable, yeah. <laughs> Roll, no, no, why would I ever do that? No. Yeah. Um, so in February, I ended up picking up. I was, I realized that when Dominic was in the woods, um, his, all his, all these outbursts and stuff, it wouldn't happen. I mean, he could be hurt. He could get stuck in the face with a thorn. None of these things would happen. He'd just pull it out and keep going. He wasn't, he wasn't falling apart anymore out in the woods. So I was like, wrote in Amazon, I don't know, book on kids in forest. <laughs> I had nothing. <laughs> and um, Ben Hewitt's book, Homegrown, came up. And I mm-hmm. picked that up. And I took it with us on a trip to Puerto Rico. And I was sobbing on the plane ride home when I finished it. Because I said, these are the words. These, this is the thing. This is the thing I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still took time. It took me a lot of time and evolution to um, admit that I was unschooling. Well, yeah, so, I guess. Especially after that comment <laughs> from your friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it took time also, too, because when we took Dominic out of school, um, he laid on the couch for nine months. And I was, between me trying to figure out, um, I called, like, you know, I thought when I called CHOP or, um, you know, the big, we're near all the big children's hospitals. And I'd, like, get on the phone and I'd say, um, I'm, I'm trying not to sob, but I am. And I'm like, I need help. I need my five-year-old is suicidal. And they're like, this is September. I'm sorry, ma'am. We don't have an opening until July. Wow. And I'm sitting there and I go, how many children that need to be in this, this psychological situation? And you have no one until July. And these are several hospitals. Um, and so we did finally find a therapy that that required me to really observe my children and be a part. And um, it was play. It was just play. Mm -hmm. And, but just letting him sit there for nine months um, was really like me being able to see, like, even though he was on the couch, he was still learning. And I was able to research and get the backstories and listen to podcasts and, find a more 
solid feeling that I was like that we could do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I that'd be interested in learning more uh, about that that time, right? Because that that was a big part of your transition into it and Dominic's transition out of school, right? So when you say he was he spent most of his time on the couch for those first what, nine months, you said. Um, mm-hmm. What was what was he doing? Was he kind of playing there? Was he watching TV? You know, what did you what did you see when you were observing him? Like you said, you saw that he was learning. What what kinds of ways did you see that? Well, so um, what I really had, what I really started to realize in this time, um, is that I had to clean up my stuff, me, like, yeah. Because if this wasn't um, in line, it was it was flowing right over into him, I, and, and you know it was word for word. I mean, the night terrors alone. He'd wake up. I'd be having a nightmare. He'd wake up. He'd come into my room and say, um, "I'm having this nightmare," and it's the exact same one. Wow. Um. So I realized how much of this it was. Ooh, it was it was just there was and then there was a resentment period in that period where I was I said I've been going through all of this and I can't even have my own thoughts and there was yeah and um so Dominic on the couch so what my husband and I decided was because the suicide attempts had become had reached a new high I mean jumping out the window running into the highway um and all the times he kept telling me it's too hard here it's too hard here um, it, it'd be easier if you let me go. Um, and I mean, really, if you put my life in the cliff notes, like I wouldn't even believe it myself. Wow. But, um, so when he was on the couch, he'd just watch, he'd watch YouTube. Um, he'd watch, uh, TV and lay on the couch, but, um, and he was the most docile he's been. And, we, the therapy we had been going through at that time, she told me that this might happen, that the cortisol levels were so high, that high or low, one or the other, that they needed to balance. Mm-hmm. And, and the no anxiety and the no seeing anybody, like the cocoon mm-hmm. happened. Um, and, but the thing was, is that, you know, I took advice from podcasts with unschooling, was that I got to sit there with him and I got to really observe his brain because the fact of the matter was he wasn't in school. So it's not like I'm getting a report card, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I was used to, that that was what I was used to. Somebody else giving me his development. Yeah. And I'm so desperate at this point to see if he's getting better that I just have to watch him. And when he is, um, like when he say, mom, can we get up and go ride my bike? Like, I'm like, yes, we can get up and go ride the bike. Um, And in my head, I'm like, this is because I'm doing all the science stuff. This is calming the vestibular system because of this. And, you know, the science part's going in. Yeah. And um, this is helping him with his internal metronome dancing. So um, it was so interesting because it actually made me start living again because I knew the occupational therapy terms for why dancing with your child, like dancing calms the nervous system and gets um, 
you know, it, it makes you more in tune with your body, which brings down your anxiety or um, why playing on the playground and then, you know, playgrounds aren't super uh, difficult anymore. But like, so we would try and find difficult playgrounds so they could um, push themselves because the more they push themselves and they, they get more that that lowers the rate of depression. And so what ended up happening is that I had to start, I had to start singing around the house and I had to start dancing with doing dance parties. I really had to jump at any moment. Yeah. I had to play video games and, um, I didn't understand Minecraft and why they kept talking about it. And I had to like sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to put Minecraft on the TV and I'm going to play. And then you guys are going to tell me how to play this because I don't understand. And so like here I have my three-year-old and my five, six-year-old being like, oh, no, no, you, that's not how you make a torch. And (laughs) don't you know that gold is a soft metal? Like I was like, that's not a very good show. And I'm like, oh my God, how do you know this? Uh, So, and then the other thing too was Dominic was scared of authority because when you, when you have adults, they push you to do things that were outside of, not outside of his, his nervous system would just get, his sensitivities would go off the charts. Mm -hmm. So what we ended up doing was my husband and I started taking dance lessons because we wanted to help him with his internal metronome, we would start taking classes and then we would sit him off to the side. And um, what was something that was super beautiful was that my husband um, was still getting accustomed to dancing with a man at dance class. And Dominic was not having it. He was, don't touch my dad, get away from my dad. So um, this dance teacher was amazing. And there were these, they were like the top ballroom dancers, no joke in the world. They were in the top 10 and they were there teaching another, gla- uh, another two people. Mm-hmm. And my son sits, my son, I'm sitting there with my son trying to calm him down and he's watching these people dance. And he said, the man was the student and the woman was the teacher. And he said, why is the student leading the teacher? Um, and I said, well, you know, I'm explaining to Dan. And he said, well, doesn't that, you know, essentially something like, doesn't that happen? Isn't that always happen? Isn't both the teacher and the student supposed to learn from each other? And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> so that's really what it looked like. But for the most part, we were hunkered down at home and um, it was, it was just a lot of me watching him. And at this point also too, Eve had decided that she wanted to be home because this is ridiculous that (laughs) two years in a row that I was with him and that she had to go to preschool. Uh Um, And she wanted to be, she wanted to be home with her mom. Yeah. Wow. And so that, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of living that happened in the last three or four years. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love the way you just, because, you know, so often when we think of cocooning, you know, you kind of imagine so much not 
you know, nothing's going on, right? You know, you're just, you, you almost see it more as kind of sleeping quietness, but you're so right the way you described it, you know, that you were observing, you were learning how, like what a learning period it is, right? A process, even though it doesn't, we're not doing much, you know, from, from the outsider looking in, it doesn't look like, right. But when you're in there, there's an incredible amount of stuff going on, like internally for ourselves and and just learning how to engage with each other and learning about each other and you being able to observe him and see what he was learning and to make the choice to like, I think that's an important step in kind of that de-schooling process to make the choice to engage and play with our children in in the ways that work well for us because that's how we're helpful for them. That's how we see them in action. That's how we un- come to understand what's going on. We come to see all the learning that happens outside of a classroom environment, right? Because so often when we start, that's the only way we see learning, right? Yeah. But, yeah. But when you're engaging with them and, and I, I love that student teacher, you know, learning from each other all the time. I, you know, I had a flashback to your little Minecraft you know, set up where they were showing you how to do this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard time. It's such a hard time because so often you're going to that transition from trauma or challenges, you know, cause something's come up that's had you choose a different lifestyle, right? You know, in depending on how people come to unschooling, you know, some people have that kind of lifestyle and add the education piece for others, you know, it's something totally new that you weren't expecting, right? And so you're coming, it's a big change for everyone. But that's such a valuable, like priceless months. And that's my experience that it takes months at least, right? Oh, it took, for me, years. I mean, mm-hmm. at least at least two years um, because it was so wildly different than the formula for life that I, I was ready to sign up for. I was so ready to get back to my, what I thought was my old self Mm -hmm. um, and be successful in the way that I thought was, I was brought up to think success was um, and get myself back. You know, that that's literally what I was ticking off the days and um the children that I signed up with had other plans and thank God they did because they really just, they burned the house down because the foundation was not working. Um, there were bigger plans. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that's a great metaphor for it, right? Because that's what we're building in that ca- cocoon in those times, in that transition time is laying a new foundation for our lives, isn't it? For our relationships, for how we see each other, how we engage with each other. That's really, really what we're doing, isn't it? Laying that foundation. Yeah. yeah. That's wow. exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, as we talked about that, what through that, through that transition time and, and into now, what has surprised you most about this journey? Other than having to strip down everything and rebuild from the bottom up. 
Oh my gosh. My, my poor family. I know watching me has been like always like, I like white knuckles on a roller coaster, (laughs) you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but what has surprised me most, this has been a super interesting because I didn't realize how much I wasn't living. Um, I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I, I was in no way, um, challenging my, myself. Um, I was in no way in touch with myself. I was very much going through what somebody, what somebody else, I I didn't challenge, I didn't challenge the system. Not, not that I needed to challenge it, but I didn't question it at all. Like, um, I would say things in my mind or things aloud, like kids need to have more gym class and they need to have more recess time. This is ridiculous. Um, I was on that train. Sure. Um, But this really like when I, it really required me to let go of what was to jump. You know, when you jump, you like lose baggage. So here's another step, jump, lose baggage. So what surprised me most Unschooling gave me the platform to look at my children without judgment and observe them mm-hmm. and then to flip it back on myself. And um, what ended up surprising me most was, so my daughter Eve, in this time, we, and we kind of tra- treated it like a joke, we thought our house was haunted mm-hmm. as of when Eve was born. Mm-hmm. Um, there would always be steps up the stairs around her door was always opening and closing. Um, she was always talking to somebody and we just kind of made a joke of it. We would call them, you know, Eve's friends are here. We live in an old farmhouse. So it made sense. Yeah. So for my sister's birthday, I'd, she had wanted to have um, a meeting with a psychic and I said, Oh, me fun. Fun. Me too. I want to find out about Eve or not about Eve, about the house. Yeah. And when I asked, the um, psychic about the house. I said, oh, I want to know who's in my house. You know, I think my house is haunted. And she says, oh, it's not your house. It's your daughter. And I was like, excuse me? And I said, and so she had to explain more um, about, she said, you know, children have a certain energy that, um, and also too, she's wired. She has these mediumship skills whatnot and we I walk away from it and laugh and haha this is funny cute yeah well you know years come down and everything happens with Dominic and um I go back to this psychic and I started I, I was able to watch and I said is this a thing and she said it most definitely is a thing you know yeah um there, you know, there's different ways for them to perceive energy and whatnot. And I later on start losing it. And I said, why? Um, I just wish I knew I could do this. Because I, 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 was, I was at my WhatsApp. I said, I wish I know I could do this. And she looked at me almost kind of like confused. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You can't do this. I said, I just don't know. I don't know if I can get through this. And um, she said, you always knew you could do this. And I said, I don't... I don't get, I never ever once felt like I was going to be able to do this. And she said, Tara, you made a contract with your children long before you were here. This was always supposed to happen. And 
it would be nice of you to stop, um, stop putting your own stuff into this and really look at it for what it is. Like children are more sensitive than, than we, than we give them credit for. And they know so much more. And so I literally walked away with that and go, you know, every day, every moment was going, I signed up for this. Why would I sign up for this? Like this is, why would I sign up for this? Realizing later that it's like an evolution of self. Like I have to evolve as a person. Well, when, so looking at all this and just being open and just being able to observe allowed me to observe the world without measurement. Um, you know, you, you, could, you know, you could look at like my own family. I could look at homeless people on the street. I could look at um, real, you know, Hollywood stars. And I, you really, it was such a freedom to be let go of just just watching. Um, and so that coming to terms with that, that um, my my own children had these abilities that I didn't know existed because I didn't grow up and I didn't grow up. We grew up not to not get near that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just really opened me up to be, to be more perceptive. Yeah, no, it's, it is amazing, isn't it? When you, as soon as you start asking those one question, that one question, that first question, and then, um, you realize that you can question things. Like you said before, you never questioned the system that, you know, mm. or never questioned what, what we're told, what we're taught, what the expectations are. You know, it is, it's like opening up a whole new world. And at first, you don't realize it, do you? It's just like, okay, school is not working for him, right? Yeah. We need to figure out something else. But then once you've opened that, 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 that can, that little bit of light, then all of a sudden it's amazing what opens up. Like just, just what you can question, what you can decide. And you know what I wanted, I wanted to bring out that, that you said when you left, um, what, what was it you said you were asking yourself? Why would I invite this? Yeah. Why would I choose to do this, this hard thing? Yeah. And that's something would I, Yeah. That's a question I found very helpful asking myself when things get challenging. It's a great question and tool to help me dive in and see different aspects of whatever, you know, if I chose this, why might I choose this? Like whatever it is, you know, beliefs or not, it's such a valuable question just to to turn something around and see it in different ways. And, you know, they always talk about the, the silver lining, et cetera. But, but no, like, like you said, it's our personal growth, right? Yeah. You can find by, by diving into something, instead of just taking fear and trying to fix it really fast and get away from it, like you said, running away, running yeah. away, being the first reaction to challenges. Instead, sitting with it, like we talk on the podcast a lot, right? About sitting with discomfort and trying it's to, yeah, yeah, no, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's not comfortable. Oh, no, no, no. 
Um, but, but then that's it, you know, twisting, you know, if, if I chose this, you know, what, what might be going on here? How might I see this in a different way? How might this be valuable? And, and inside there is where I found so much of my own personal growth and, and, and also getting to that point where you realize how much, um, is in is involved in any situation, right? Like you said, like, and, and I think that was part that helped me lose judgment on, on other people and yeah. other situations on thinking that I know how they should solve a situation, you know, thinking that I know better for someone, you know, all that stuff kind of eventually melted away through coming up on these, these kinds of challenges and, and really sitting with them for a while rather than trying to fix and run. Or or just run, yeah. <laughs> or just run. Does that does that we kind of make sense? Like, I mean, those that's what came up for me when you were talking about that. Does is that? Yes, no, that makes total sense. And I was it was interesting to me, and even now I really work hard on it. Um, is that when I run up against something that is difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Now that I now that I've gone through all of this, um, I'm like, okay there's, there's obviously a reason that I've been given this difficult. I it's, it's given me an opportunity to work on my reactivity, my thought process, observe myself. Mm -hmm. Um, it has allowed me also to like, I now from playing video games all the time. Um, (laughs) like there's no leveling up, right? I can't get to the next level until all of these things are in order. Like the door will not open. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably best that it doesn't because for instance, like even starting the podcast, um, I had to do all that work as a parent and go through that before I was even given that feeling that I should be able to, that I should do that podcast. I needed all that foundation. And even before that, I needed to work with those children with cerebral palsy to help that helped me in my parenting that, you know, childhood is a level. Um, and, and when you don't have all the, when you don't get to sit and be in that moment, if you go push yourself onto other levels without, without really embracing that the levels below, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a struggle. It's more than a struggle. Like you'll get pushed right back. You, you'll just keep learning the same lesson. Yeah. Um, I, I learned that with reactivity, especially because, um, so this is a little bit interesting. Um, when we went to Puerto Rico, that time that I had found Ben Hewitt's book, my, so I come from a, a Puerto Rican family. I'm half. And to be honest, it was the very, it, very impoverished, very impoverished, and um, a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse every generation. Mm-hmm. And where the family had said that the abuse had started was, say, my great grandmother, who was a single mother of eight. Um, and I had asked a simple question. I said, um, well, did anybody know her mother? Did my grandmother meet her mother? And they said, oh, no, she died when she was little. And then my great-grandmother and her sister um, were given, a, given away separately. 
And then the brothers were kept with the father. And in that impoverished nature, you don't know what happened to those children. Mm -hmm. But I know that she escaped and um, the family that she was adopted by and went and found her sister and then lived close to her father who would not let her live back with them. And so then after I knew that little tidbit, I could trace it down the line of... Um, and so that's been like a puzzle for me is like, okay, so that's why we do this. And that's why everything is so reactive. You know, it, it kept us safe for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was terrified that somebody, she may have been abused. This is not right. She may have been abusing her children. It was because she was terrified that they would be put in a position where they would be abused by um, like sexually abused by other people. And um, it like there, one other beautiful thing about my family though is, well, there's lots of beautiful things, but they're storytellers. So we did get the stories, even if they were framed in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get the stories. And I think the stories help a lot. Did I go off on a tangent? No, no, that's fine. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I mean, and, and story, I started out talking about that, hearing your story, because for me, that's one of the things I love about this podcast is I love sharing people's unschooling stories, their families' experiences. And and I think um, sharing our families' stories and, and history really does um it helps bring some context to not only ourselves, but some, some groundedness, some understanding of that foundation, you know, and, and where it may be rotting, where there may be challenges, like all that kind of stuff. That stories, stories are so human. Like I, there's a quote I, I read once, like stories are to humans like water is to fish. Yeah. It just just is. It's just part of our essence, you know? So, yes, I think stories are a very valuable part of the whole thing. And, okay, so you mentioned your podcast, right, and how yes. you were building that foundation, that that level, until you leveled into, into choosing to start that. And I love your tagline, openly exploring the intuitive connection of children. Now, it's not an unschooling-focused podcast, but I was on talking about unschooling and that intuition. And so I'd just love to hear a little bit about that story, um, uh, how that podcast evolved for you. Okay. So my podcast, my podcast, um, this came to me in in this your podcast came for me at a time that I needed it. Um, I needed, I had met an unschooling group here, um, but I think I was listening to the podcast before I had even begun to look for an unschooling group here. And I just needed to hear what other people were going through. Um, Even if it didn't really, even if it didn't, if it didn't align with what was going on at my house, Mm -hmm. that wasn't a big, that wasn't a, that wasn't a problem. Um, Because with each episode and the way that they were framed, I was able, there may have been a nugget of what somebody else was doing or just, just their way they were looking at things. 
let's say video games would be a good one. I mean, I know that one's easily to go to. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I don't know, cursing. It could be really anything. <laughs> it, was, it, it gave me like a little nugget to take back. And even if I was just thinking about it or to try something, um, to, to try a little something, and I'd be like, well, they did it. And they're, they're alive. And it's yeah. okay. Yeah. And um, then also too, to be able to listen to the older kids. So then when, when my children, um, when I came, finally came to, do, to admit to myself that my children were highly intuitive, um, that's not really something you go out and you wave on a banner <laughs> because uh, for a lot of not everybody believes in it. That's fine. Um, and also, too, I didn't want to put them in a position that um, people are watching or looking or that they had to had to prove to other people. You put expectations that was, on them. Yeah. Yeah. Put expectations because we already know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, and just to quickly circle back with Dominic's, what I had realized is that his strength was feeling other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, you know, Eve was more could see and Dominic was feel. So that would be clairsentient and Eve was more clairvoyant. But um, so with, so that's how I framed my podcast like yours is because I just, I needed to see other f- families do it. Well, what was interesting is that a lot of people are still in the closet and that's okay. Um, I ended up, I, I, when I was looking bef- before I had even started the podcast, I had started talking to people who were in that field because I could find so little resources, mm-hmm. so little resources. And when I started to talk to them, I'd be talking to them and I'd be like, this is not a waste that it's just for me. Like it, it would be so much more helpful if it was out in the world and somebody could pull from it if they needed. Yeah. And I have a very strong belief if you need something and you ask for it, like just I, you know, I, cause I've done it where you ask something, it will show up. So my thing is I put my work out into the world and if somebody needs it, it will show up for them. And I may never know. And that's not my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I made the podcast was there were two questions that I wanted to kind of answer or address or explore because because I'm not going to take the stance like I know everything yeah, explore yeah. is I wanted to explore what it was like to be in the in any kind of relationship with a highly intuitive child and how they are what they're going through and the second question was as a parent or anybody why am I a parent and connected to this child? Because there is a question deeper than that. Like there's a reason that I'm with them mm-hmm. and it's for me, it's for them. And like we said, it's an evolution of self in some way. And so I wanted to explore those, those reasons or those things and leave it loose and casual and so with you, this was really important why I had you on for me is because we do live a lifestyle in this unschooling life where 
we do give them space to be in any child to use their intuition to um, follow what's pulling for them, their own purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and it could go even small as this, like, I've always been drawn to interviews. I always said in my head, like, I would love to interview anybody. I could interview anybody. I always have a strong interest in people. Or I like to write. And when I go into Staples, I can stand in the stationary section for five hours. <laughs> like, there's a natural pool for you yeah. to be pulled to your purpose, right? And so unschooling allows for that. Um, and it does... I can even see it in my own children. Like what, what I'm into puts no weight on what's, what's they're into. And they're allowed to openly be pulled to their purpose. So they're, it's giving so much more space for them to use their intuition and what they can do with it is going to be wild. I mean, I think the next 20 years, and sure, because of unschooling, but just in general, we're more open than ever. Like the next 20 years are going to be I, I can't wait to see what comes of this. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that, Tara. Uh, you're you're absolutely right how unschooling relates and gives that space for them to explore themselves, to to see where they're pulled, to, you know, to feel a little tug, take a couple of steps and realize that no, no, I you know, I feel something over here. You know what I mean? To I mean being able to to learn that about themselves and and like you said to for us being careful not to put the weight of our expectations or or you know what we think would be good for them on them you know that you know and then I, I always you know say that doesn't mean not being involved and not being engaged with them yeah. right because because you're actively helping them take that next step toward whatever's pulling on them so that they can experience it. Right. Cause the faster yep. they can follow those, their, their intuition, um, just what, what is interesting to them, you know, the faster they can um, engage with that and, and see what comes of it really. Right. They can just see if I want to take this next step or this step, you know, we're actively helping them rather than, uh, take the steps that they want to take rather than trying to direct their next step, really, right? Right. Which is basically following their intuition than ours. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, exactly, right? The other piece that yeah, I... Yeah, and then also getting... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you go. No, and then also the feeling of this is not... Like, for instance, I had a cookie business, uh-huh. which I was super good at. Yeah. And I let it go because it was not fulfilling me in the least. And I, to, to give something like that up, right, that was doing really well, um, to not attach failure to it, to have used, to now be able to look in that mindset and be like, okay, I use this, this, and this, and um, I met this, this, and this person. But to be able to feel when it's not right, or that's just not where you need to be right now. And then not be like, this is a failure. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think so often that I watch with other children, it's pass or fail, you know? And so much of their self-worth is wrapped up in that, in the fail. Yeah. Um, And which I was doing it till my 30s. So (laughs) I'm glad to have let it go. Exactly. Right. Right. And, 
that's the, I like, that's why I like the exploring concept. I, I didn't mm-hmm. even really like when I look back many, many years ago, when I first started my website, um, I put a treasure map as like the image on the homepage, right? So I like hand drew a treasure map and I had different locations on the map just being different. You know, this is my blog. This is this. So they were all like clickable. And, and then that evolved into calling my podcast exploring and schooling because I, yeah, I got, I pretty quickly, I think, I mean, still years got to the, got really got to that, that no judgment piece, but also that we're always exploring that there's not a right and wrong answer. There may be, there's definitely right and wrong for us, but that's what we're exploring to find, right? What works well for us? um, What interests us? uh, Our, what meshes well with us as a person, our demeanor, our personality, our likes and dislikes personally, alongside so you're learning about and meshing all that with the things out in the world that interest you and and you know how how does all that fit together it's like all exploring isn't it and it's it's for ourselves as individuals it's each of our journey to take there's no like uh right or wrong from from a higher point of view you know what i mean no no, not at all. It's just learning how to navigate yourself. Uh, and that was also interesting too. Now looking back on the, you know, when Dominic with his really hard time was, he was always calling me out on things that did not feel right. And, and if I had kept going on that path, I would have totally entangled him to not trust himself. So for instance, we'd be like, but we have to get up and go to school. Mm-hmm. We don't have to get up and go to school. That is like, you know, he'd, he'd be yelling at me or, but you have to eat this dinner. But why do I have to eat this dinner? Um, mm-hmm. And of course, I push it to the degree of this poor child having phobias about it. But um, when we don't let them trust that, then it entangles them to not trust themselves later. And then let's, then they go into adulthood and they don't trust themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's why intuition is so like, to me, it's so important. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, even when challenging times come up, right. Which they, they, you don't have to create these challenges for your kids in childhood so that they'll like toughen up and learn it, but things will come up and you'll help them process through that at like sitting with that discomfort, right? It's, it's discomfort for us because it's our child, but it's also of course discomfort for them and we're sitting with them and helping them figure out ways through that for when in life, these challenging moments are going to come up and they're going to have low moments, et cetera. But but they've, they've had the experience of, of working through them and coming through the other end. So even when you don't yet know how it's going to look, you've had some experience working through them. Anyway, yeah, no, yeah. yeah <laughs> we can talk about like that for right <laughs> Yeah, no, it's the level up. Like yeah, the, exactly. The, like for the, for the kids, like, look, I crawled. Um, and I fell a bunch of times and I attached no emotional mm-hmm. turmoil to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, look, I challenged myself on the monkey bars and 
okay, that worked. And I didn't attach, you know, and at least now in this life with, with my kids, like we don't have to attach any emotional turmoil to it. Sure. I had to go back and, and redo all the damage that I did, but, Mm -hmm. um, and then it just slowly goes into other things like, um, I don't know, making a YouTube channel or asking somebody out on their first date or, um, yeah. They just answer yes and no or not. They can use it as a navigation, like when you're realizing it, it's just a navigation tool. That's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all information and, and even like your feelings, all, all, all that stuff is stuff that you can bring together and, and, and just weigh for yourself and take that next little step and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you. Okay. So I would love to know what your favorite thing about your unschooling days is right now. Oh, snuggling <laughs> in the morning is like my favorite thing in the world. Yay! <laughs> like really, like I, I am the world's best morning snuggler. Um, that uh, we just hatched ducklings and for this and if you want to lose all the memory on your phone, hatch ducklings with kids because all you do is take pictures of them. <laughs> and um, my hope is travel here at some point. Um, but, you know, don't have expectations about anything. But just, just I don't know, just being present for like all the stuff I that I wouldn't have been present for. Like Eve's learning to read. Actually, Eve and Dominic are learning to read right now on their own and just like watching them just spit out words that they see and they're like, look what I did. And I'm like, you did do it. And (laughs) I was there, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Tara. I really, really appreciate it. I know. Thanks for having me. Oh, it was so fun. So fun to dive into your story. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online and maybe check out your podcast. My podcast is A Mother's Intuition, and you can find that on where podcasts are found. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at A Mother's Intuition. And then I'm on Facebook loosely at A Mother's Intuition. <laughs> and then I have a website, A Mother's Intuition Podcast. Surprise! You can find me. <laughs> I'm around. <laughs> She's around. And I'll be sure to put links to all that stuff in the show notes as well. Thanks very much, Tara. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Pam. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the Tuck Talks. For six years, I hosted the Toronto Unschooling Conference. It was an amazing experience and I loved meeting many wonderful unschooling families. Though I no longer host the conference, the unschooling insights shared by the amazing speakers over the years are timeless. You can listen to all 25 talks for free on my website at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash conference. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.